0: Welcome to the Jay Martin show. This is Jay Martin. All right. My guest today is named Andrew Kegel. He is the co-founder and CEO of a company called tokens.com. Now, why did I want to talk to Andrew? Because I am watching this tsunami of cash flood towards the metaverse and metaverse developments and the creation of assets and all this stuff. And the investor in me is wondering if I need a horse in this race. And if I do what that horse should be, because investing in the metaverse is actually quite complex. Now, why I wanted to talk to Andrew is because he has an interesting past. He created a company back in 2017 called Hut 8 Mining. Now, today, Hut 8 Mining is one of the largest publicly traded uh, Bitcoin miners in the world. But the value of Hut 8 Mining back in 2017, 2018 was that it was actually quite difficult back then, especially compared to now, to buy Bitcoin and to buy cryptocurrencies. It wasn't nearly as easy as it is today. I can just hop on my Coinbase or my Simple or Robinhood and and buy crypto. I couldn't do that in 2017. It was much more confusing. What HUD-8 Mining did was provide a proxy, a publicly traded company whose share price very closely tracked the performance of Bitcoin. And so it simplified the opportunity for investors. And if you invested in HUD-8 Mining, you did very well. No, I didn't invest in HUD-8 Mining. I chose Hive Blockchain, which very similar tracked the price of Ethereum, and ended up being a great investment. But today, investing in the metaverse is kind of like investing in Bitcoin back then. It's very complex and confusing and hard to spot the real opportunities. So I'm searching for my proxy. You know, Where is there an opportunity that would perform like a proxy to the development and progress of the metaverse? Now, Andrew says his company is that proxy. I'm not sure that it is, but I wanted to hear it from him. They're essentially a real estate development company allocating millions of dollars into the Decentraland metaverse, but they've got lots of things on the go. And I want to determine if this is my horse. So they're a publicly traded company, Tokens.com. I'm not a shareholder. I'm definitely gonna take a deeper look after this conversation, but I found it to be quite interesting. So anyways, here is Andrew Kegel, the co-founder and CEO of Tokens.com on why he believes the metaverse is a multi-trillion dollar investment opportunity. All right, enjoy. All right, what's up, guys? Jay Martin here, investor and host of the Jay Martin Show, and I'm joined right now by Andrew Kegel, the co-founder and CEO of Tokens.com. Andrew, thanks so much for coming to chat with me today. Thanks for having me on, Jay. I'm looking forward to it. So maybe for anybody who's not familiar with Tokens.com, could we start there? Give us the the highlight overview. Who are you, Andrew, and how do you spend your time?
1: Right. So I was an investment banker for 20 years. And back in 2017, I saw that there was a need for public market investors who really wanted to get exposure to things happening in crypto, but there wasn't really a regulated way for them to do that. You know, there's a lot of what I would say people who fear of missing out, people that want to get involved, but it's intimidating for people. So the thought process that I had was to create a Bitcoin mining company that held all of its Bitcoin and take that public. And by virtue of that being public, it would give people that option to access it without actually having to buy a crypto mining rig themselves or figure out how to buy Bitcoin themselves, because it's still fairly intimidating. I ended up leaving my career in banking. I became the CEO of this company. It's called HUD 8 Today, trades on the NASDAQ, and it's had a market cap as high as $3 and it's one of the world's largest Bitcoin miners. And the philosophy that I had, again, was like, let's create a product that is accessible to people. People are still very much accustomed to buying and investing through their existing portfolios. I then started looking around and saying, what are other cool things happening in crypto that are not Bitcoin, that investors might want to take, take advantage of? And I saw all these things like gaming and NFTs and metaverse happening. And I said, let's put this into a public vehicle, create businesses around it, And give people exposure to that, because, again, it's intimidating. Most people have heard of the metaverse, but they might not know how to go in there and buy land or throw a party. Most people have heard of DeFi, but how do they take advantage of it? And things like non-fungible tokens or NFTs, like how do you buy a CryptoPunk? How do you store it? How do you report it? Um, So that's really what I want to do, create an easy way for public market investors to get exposure.
0: Yeah, it's such a it's such a valuable business model. I've made a lot of money investing in proxies like that, right? Like if HUD-8 was a proxy to investing in crypto, back when investing in crypto was a lot more difficult, right? 2017, it was a different right. process. You couldn't just hop in your Coinbase accounts and uh, hit buy.
1: Even today, if you look at when the Bitcoin ETFs were launched in Canada last year or in the US last year as well, billions of dollars flowed into those products even though there's so many advantages to owning Bitcoin directly, if you own Bitcoin yourself, you can trade it 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you can earn yield off it. If you own it in a fund, you can't do anything and your liquidity is limited, right? But billions of dollars still flow into these products because people like doing things in a way they're accustomed to doing it. feels safer and easier.
0: Okay, so you've, you've been through this or you, you saw this materialize in 2017, right? You're seeing it again. People are getting really excited about things that they don't really understand yet. Maybe that's the metaverse, NFTs, and I put myself in that category. By the way, I'm not any expert. I've <clears throat> I've, I've strolled around Decentraland, tried to see what's going on in there. But like, how do I action my move? Right, that's a question mark for me. I don't have that answer yet.
1: Right. Well, that's where we come in and help out, right? And so we're more being a proxy for that is is for sure something we do. But we're doing even more. So in a place like Decentraland, you know, we dropped a few million dollars on on buying stuff in the fashion district, and we're now holding this massive fashion show that's going to have major brands and musical artists. That's not something that's really within the capacity of any individual to do on their own. I mean, maybe, but we're sort of developing that expertise and building businesses around these assets that are very valuable. Did I dive into that transaction a little bit?
0: So you oh, yeah. said you, you spent a few million dollars, bought a bunch of property in the fashion district of Decentraland. So, so maybe to back up, if, if any of my viewers aren't super familiar with some of those terms, Decentraland is a metaverse, right?
1: How would you describe a metaverse to someone who's never experienced the metaverse, Andrew? So the metaverse has a lot of different definitions, but I can tell you my definition is a video like game environment but you wander into a city and you create an avatar that you use to wander around and you do it through your computer. Now, metaverses have been around for a while. If you think back to things like Grand Theft Auto, the video game, or any of those third party shooter games, those are metaverses. Um, Roblox, Minecraft, those are metaverses. Even Second Life could be considered a metaverse. So a video game like environment where you can interact with other people's avatars, all through your computer. Okay. Now,
0: you've purchased property, and and sorry. So how how a metaverse differs though from like a Sim City or a, I'm probably dating myself with that. I don't know if people still play that, but uh, Grand Theft Auto. You know how a metaverse differs functionally in terms of ownership and property development. Touch on that
1: for me. So a unique thing has started happening, and that metaverses have started adopting crypto technology or Web three technology. Previous. Attempts at metaverses have been relatively successful, but they're termed digital prisons. And I'll explain to you why. If you go into The Sims or Second Life or even Roblox, there's a company behind it with a CEO and a group of design people, and they create what they think you want to see. They create the games, they give it to you, and you go in there and play it. You can buy and spend money within those metaverses, but whatever you do in there doesn't actually belong to you. It belongs to the game. And all the profits from the game go back to that company. Yeah, The new metaverses have a whole different philosophy. They're about creating and building communities. And this is what's very different. Using crypto technology where ownership, digital ownership is available, you can sell plots of land And then it's up to the user, the owner, to determine what that content is going to look like, what the community is going to look like, and if they want to find ways to monetize off that land. So let's take Decentraland as an example. Decentraland has approximately 90,000 available plots. Okay. Okay. It's a square, it's a rectangular city. Each plot is equivalent to 52 square feet. Okay. Easy. Of those 90,000 plots, approximately half of them are untouchable. Okay, They're left aside by the foundation. And the reason why is those are your parks, your rivers, your fountains, your sidewalks, the things that make a city look like a city because a city is not just buildings piled on top of each other. So 50% of the space is what I would call beautifications and and sort of space for people to walk around. The other 45,000 parcels are available for people to develop on. And they're already owned by various landowners and they can choose what they wanna build on those. It's like a community. It's like going back in time and building a city. What do we need? An amusement park? Do we need a casino? Do we need a mall? We're determining that as we go along and we're part of the governance of that city. Any profits that are made through us using that land don't go back to the central land. They belong to the landowner just like they would in real life. And that's the difference is these new metaverses are creating self-contained economic communities that are based on this digital asset ownership. And, And that's super cool, I think, in terms of how the whole process of what a metaverse is. That's why I call the other ones digital prisons, because you really don't have a say in what's being built or how your money is being spent. Right.
0: Okay. Now, so so talk to me about your plans. Uh, did you purchase 116 lots? Do I have that number right? Am I close? Yes. Yes. Okay. We've purchased more since. You purchased more since. Okay. Sure. So of the ninety thousand that you described, and you know there's a handful that are yeah protected lands like a national park would be right. You're never going to develop right. Put a condo up there, uh, which adds some uh, scarcity to the available lots. Right. Now you're you're moving in now and purchasing real estate at what I would expect you to say is going to be ridiculously cheap 10 years down the road, right? You're, you're buying Las Vegas before it was Vegas. So you, yeah. That's the
1: thesis. Well, let's just, let's just look at some of the statistics. The visitor traffic in Decentraland registered users last year grew by over 3000% in the year. It's currently growing at around the same pace. So they went, I think last year, they're up to about 800,000 registered users They're going to break a million and probably get into the several million this year. We own a whole bunch of land there. What does that become worth when there's 30 million people wandering around this environment and using it as a way to socialize or attend concerts or go to museums? It's going to continue to become more valuable because it's a way for brands and advertisers to access this brand new demographic, this new user base of people that wants to spend money in the metaverse.
0: Now, can I ask you a question? What do you think is the biggest mental block for individuals who maybe aren't gamers, right? And they have maybe seen some video of the metaverse or it's been described to them and they can't in their mind understand why a virtual world would have tangible value. How do you answer that?
1: So there's definitely a whole portion of the the society that doesn't understand Uh, Unless something has, like they believe that in order for something to have value, it must have something you can hold, must have weight. I don't argue with those people. Certainly that is their belief, but it's a really hard breakthrough for them to understand that something can be scarce, irreplaceable, and only exist on the internet and have value. It's a really hard thing for a lot of people to, to sort of cross. The younger generation doesn't have a problem with it. They get it. They can understand that you can have something digital that has value. Another part of the the population just doesn't get it. And I don't try to argue with them. I'm not the metaverse or or crypto town town crier trying to evangelize all this stuff. There's a whole ton of people that believe it has value. The crypto industry is now going into its 14th year. It's not a fad. It's not going away. It's actually crossing into more of the mainstream, more into daily use cases, just like the internet did. So what I would say to people that don't believe it, do the research. Don't be that person that said the internet was a fad. You know, don't be the person that said social media is a fad. These events are happening right now. Every major corporation in the world right now is developing and deploying a metaverse strategy. Just say, do the research. Well,
0: yeah. And when you say every major corporation, you know, you could find examples like Nike. You know, they've you now trademarked their swoosh. They've trademarked, trademarked Air Jordans strictly for the virtual world. McDonald's, I believe, recently as well, right? Trademarked the arches in the
1: metaverse. Walmart, JP Morgan just opened up an office in the metaverse. Samsung, Sotheby's, Balenciaga, Gucci. You got a whole host of different performers and DJs who are performing and dropping music in the metaverse. Microsoft, Apple. I mean, When I talk about every major corporation in the world, I mean, just pick the top 20 and and, and most of them are building strategies there. And let me provide a bit of the rationale as to why this is important. And I think this is a key part. I was having a conversation with the CEO of a major running shoe company last week. And he asked me, well, how much money am I going to make by opening up a store in the Metaverse? I said, no, no, no. It's not about how much money you're going to make. You're, you're missing out a key part of what you're going to be doing here. The new generation doesn't watch TV, which means all of those ads don't go to them. The new generation doesn't go to Rodeo Drive or or you know, Yale Town or Yorkville to shop. They do their shopping online. They don't read newspapers. They don't read magazines. So how does a kid understand what the difference between Gap and Gucci is. They get their understanding from places like the metaverse and social media. And the metaverse is really just the next iteration of social media. It's a place where people congregate, socialize, and talk. What I said to the CEO is think about this as the longevity of your brand. How are you going to continue to communicate to people what your brand represents? If you remember when I was a kid in high school, you'd go to the mall Each brand represents a way of how you want to represent yourself to the world. But I would learn that from seeing commercials, reading magazines, newspapers, and going to the mall. Today, those things don't exist. The entire advertising, the entire teaching people what you're about has been reversed. The model has changed. What the metaverse represents is a way for brands to communicate to people who they are how they should feel when they're wearing or using your product and why they should buy you. These are key things. They have to go to the metaverse because how else are you going to reach this demographic?
0: And that that's like the key opportunity, right? Is how else are you going to reach this demographic when you're talking about the generation of call them digital natives who grew up, you know, digitally integrated It was never something they had to learn, right? It's endemic,
1: correct? Yeah. I mean, look, my, my family laughs at me. I love cable television. I'm in my fifties and, and I just grew up watching TV. So I'm I'm constantly being served ads and, and I don't mind the rest of my family thinks I'm completely wacko. Cause they're like, why like cable TV? Why? You know, you can go to the streaming services, you can download stuff from the internet. I'm part of that old generation, but for them, they don't understand like, How do you learn about stuff? And I I just think that's a very important point for people who are trying to see, like, what is the value of the metaverse? You have to appreciate the fact that the standards of of advertising and communicating are changing and they're changing very rapidly. You have to adapt or you're going to miss out. Just like a lot of companies said, hmm, I don't think we really need a website. Don't see the value in that. Those companies probably didn't survive. Every single company in the world now has to have a website. It's just part of not just making sales, but a, a place for people to get information as to who you are.
0: Yeah. Okay. Now, everybody can relate to that. And I would say, I would say yes, but we know, you know, during that com rush, like 80% of the initial companies that were promised to be exciting, didn't make it right. There was this, and that's a market cycle. You know, you got to have those corrections to find the winners. Right. Sure. So, how how would you counsel an investor right now, Andrew? Somebody like myself. Okay, I'm looking, you know, I know I want a horse in the race, right? I can see sentiment shifting. I see smart money rushing that direction. I see the avalanche of cash. I want to put myself in front of it. Right. And so what are my options right now? You know, what's the, and maybe tokens.com speak to that, you know, but but what else? Like what are the proxies to have a horse in the race when you don't know enough to be super aggressive?
1: Well, I think you've identified the options. I mean, you can go and do the work yourself. Uh, It'll take you a long time. This is like, you know, if you're going to go out, for example, in the metaverse, you got to study what each metaverse is about. You got to understand the neighborhoods, how much you're paying. These are not, the land is not sold like a commodity. It's not like every plot of land is $5,000. The plots are already owned by various people. They put them up for sale and they all have a different valuation based on what has sold in the neighborhood already who the neighbors are, what neighborhood it's in, if you're trying to do this on your own, you got to be prepared to spend a lot of time to figure it out. It's not like, hey, let's just jump in and do it. Be prepared. And after you do it, how are you going to rent it out? This is not like, you know, this is a a developing marketplace. It's not like, hey, I got to build something here that somebody's going to want to rent. And then I got to find the renters. Where I'm going with all this is it's a lot easier to do and get your exposure through something like tokens.com, where we're doing all that work for you. And I haven't even talked about security. Remember, all of this land, all these assets reside on the blockchain. It's crypto-based. If you don't understand how to properly store this, you could get hacked and have it taken away from you. So these are all the things that we do by buying this land, by holding this big fashion show, by having the ability to create and design this stuff, we're providing a proxy for investors to say, I'll let them do it. I can buy it through my normal account. I don't have to create online wallets and wire money different places and figure this out. So certainly you can do it on your own. That's a lot harder, or you can do it through us and you have that liquidity through the stock market.
0: And is is, there a, is it a fair parallel to say, you know, you're you're a property developer and a landlord to describe your business model in the
1: metaverse. Is that accurate? Yes, but we're also more. And I'll tell you how we're more, we're also a little bit like Facebook or Google in that we're collecting digital advertising revenue. And so on one of our properties, we we built an office tower called tokens.com tower. And right now we're negotiating for people who want a frictionless way of advertising in the metaverse, we're selling digital billboards. And so that's recurring revenue where we will build something for you that maybe links takes people to the website or builds brand awareness, several different reasons. But that model to me looks a little bit more like Facebook or Google than it does a traditional real estate company.
0: What's up everybody. Sorry for the interruption. Quick note. If you enjoy these conversations, I publish a weekly newsletter and it's free where I share my top takeaways lessons learned, and any action steps I might be taking as a consequence in the market. Sign up at cambridgehouse.com. I publish every week and it's free. Now back to the conversation. So through passive advertising opportunities in the metaverse, assuming that the growth in foot traffic will continue, you mentioned 3,000% per year.
1: And it's easy to... I don't know if that's so... To be specific, the exact growth rate for visitor traffic and users in Decentraland was three thousand three hundred percent last year. Okay, I'm not. I don't know where it's going to go into the future. I can okay. tell you that from what I'm seeing so far in January and into February, the growth rates are continuing are, are continuing at a similar clip. Okay, and as somebody who's
0: who's experienced Decentraland as a pedestrian, strolled around. I would say I could understand how somebody could do that and think, well, there's not much here because, you know, it, it was kind of like walking around an empty Las Vegas. There wasn't a lot of people there at that time. The fidelity wasn't amazing, you know, but we, we get stuck in these linear thought processes when it comes to tech, which doesn't develop linearly. Right. So we know like, what's this going to look like is that's the question that I, I try to ask, but I go in there and experience this and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm 37. Like maybe I'm not the demographic. Whatever, whatever. It's not super exciting to me, but then I have to think, hey, but what's it gonna be in three years? What's it gonna be in five, eight years? You know, and what's that experience right. gonna be like? How compelling and seductive is that gonna be? Probably
1: a thousand X more so. Yeah. So I think there's two things I want to talk about with respect to that, that point you made. The first has to do that the, the metaverse today, what's driving it is our events. If you go into Decentraland right now, you might find a few thousand people wandering around and you know, there's an arcade and there's a, a casino. That's not really the drivers. The drivers are the events. And when Decentraland had a a, a dance music festival back in October of last year with the top DJs in in the world, that event attracted over the two day period, three day period, uh, over 50,000 unique visitors. Okay. So this is all people who have a shared love of electronic dance music, who are geographically potentially scattered all over the world that met up to hear their favorite DJs perform, experience an an event that felt like a digital Coachella or like attending a club in Ibiza or something like that. There were various stages and people and you could talk to people, add friends. That's a shared experience that you can have with your friends regardless of where you are geographically. That's part of the experiences. For other people it might be meeting up with other people and checking out an NFT museum or an amusement park, You know, the Australian Tennis Open opened up a whole facility where you could go and watch games live or even previous games, championship games. So for people who don't have cable or maybe don't live in Australia and want to watch some of these games, you could go into the metaverse and watch. And there's some other immersive experiences. Sotheby's is doing auctions. They replicated the Bond Street Auction House and they're trying to hold live auctions in the metaverse. So, again, event driven. Wandering in there today is exploratory, could be fun. It teaches you how to move around and do things. When the fashion show happens next month, I think that's going to attract several hundred thousand people because you're going to be curious to say like, oh, this person is performing at an after party. I want to check it out. Or there's a brand that I'm aware of is holding a a, a catwalk. I want to go see what this is about and how this works. And so these are the types of things that are going to draw people in because you know from going to Decentraland, especially if you're playing as a guest, it takes you 30 seconds to get in there and create an avatar. Just need a decent computer and you're in, it doesn't really take a lot of information. To your point about the graphics and what it looks like. There's actually intent in the way it looks in the graphics and let me explain why and I'll give you a very good example. I don't know if you have children, but do you know, are you familiar with Minecraft? Yes. My kids are too young, but I'm familiar. Yeah. Okay. So Minecraft looks like a bunch of Lego blocks put together. The quality of graphics is quite poor, yet it's a highly addictive game for kids. One of the reasons why Minecraft has not bothered to improve the graphic quality is because at this level of graphic quality, it is accessible on a wide range of computers, regardless of how old they are. Mm. The higher the resolution of your graphics, the better processor you need, the better graphics card you need. And so if you make something that is too good, too smooth, you're going to narrow your audience to people that have the latest version of computers. One of the things I like about Decentraland and Sandbox is that they're sort of aiming for the middle. The graphics aren't like the best you've ever seen in a video game but they're pretty good. You can recognize things and you can dress up and there's various things you can play and do that are fun. As the technology catches up, and this is why I say this is a multi-trillion dollar business, you're gonna have new graphic cards, you're gonna have new hardware and things that are faster that will allow these metaverses to improve the quality of what they're delivering to the users. Right now though, unless you wanna you know, decrease the number of users you have, you're going to keep your video quality and your immersion experience where it is because it gives you the widest appeal. Right.
0: Okay. You're protecting accessibility. Correct. I get that. I get that. Okay. And I could imagine maybe down the road, you know, you segment accessibility or quality based on what you're willing to pay, right? There's got to be some models there. As you were speaking, I was thinking about this book I read called Snow Crash. Have you read this?
1: I know the book. I haven't read it, but I know that's the first book that coined. The Metaverse by Neil
0: yeah. Stevenson. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one notable, you know, story within that is, you know, individuals are walking around the Metaverse and you can essentially determine somebody's level of affluence based on the quality of their avatar, right? And you've got some super high fidelity, just decked out, beautiful aesthetic individuals walking around the Metaverse and then kind of like a fuzzy gray outline and just based on the individual right. resources to, to enter and engage. Yeah, okay.
1: I think that's actually going to be very accurate because there's going to be a certain quality or or level of avatar that you can create for free. But there's a whole trend coming here for avatar wearables. And so you can create and buy like the Gucci handbag for your avatar. Right. Some people might think this is crazy, but the Gucci handbag, the NFT version, costs as much as the physical one. Crazy. Yeah. Okay. It is crazy, but it's also not crazy. And this is why it's not crazy because it's not part of a digital prison or something like Roblox or Minecraft where the asset actually still belongs to the company when you put it on blockchain technology you have digital ownership of that asset and if you know what the the art world they use a term called provenance which is the origin history and authenticity of a piece of art which is very hard to prove but on blockchain you can just look at the blockchain and say yes this bag came from Gucci it was designed in 2022 January or February, and you can see the ownership history and what it's been paid for it. Now, why is that relevant? Because Gucci is only going to make a limited amount of handbags. You can see it came from Gucci, so it's not a fake. So if you buy it, you can wear it on your avatar, you can store it, or you can resell it. It's that virtual economy that's being created that makes it very worthwhile so you can use it to create status like you were talking about in the book, Snow Crash. Or somebody else might want to buy it from you to create their own status and you can make a profit on it.
0: Mm. Now, this is kind of a silly question. I understand. So if I can understand that, right? And I can understand the real world. So therefore, why Nike wants to make their move? Why Gucci wants to make their move? Because they want to be able to sell accessories to the avatars strolling around. What the heck's McDonald? What What is McDonald's business plan? Are they going to sell virtual hamburgers? Like how does, that one's harder for you to know, wrap my mind around.
1: Well, I think it goes back to the point I was making before about communicating who you are. Sometimes it's not about sales, it's about advertising. And so McDonald's could create, as an example, an amusement park, a virtual amusement park where people go and do rides and maybe some of the, you know, the Hamburglar and, and you know, some of these things are there walking around. What you're really doing is you're, you're creating brand recognition amongst people in this new demographic. You know, they're talking about Disney creating a metaverse. And I thought that was really cool because for a lot of people, maybe going to the, to the real Disney might be expensive or you don't have the time. There's many reasons. But if you can experience a little bit about what that's like by going there and you can see, you know, the Little Mermaid and Aladdin and all these, these various things you're building brand value. Your kid's going to be like, next time they're at a store somewhere, they're going to be like, I want that. Or they recognize that. And maybe it's a trip in the future. So I think for McDonald's, obviously, they're not going to be selling virtual burgers although they might, but it goes back to creating longevity for your brand because these people aren't watching TV where you're going to get the the McDonald's commercial. Okay. I'm with you.
0: Now, you mentioned Disney is talking about building their own metaverse. The two metaverses that I'm most familiar with be Decentraland and Sandbox, right? But you know, could we expect, Andrew, like Amazon, Apple, Disney, to all, I mean, Facebook just rebranded their name, all to have their it. own metaverses in the
1: near future? 1,000%. You're going to see a ton of metaverses. Just the way, same way you see, you have a ton of uh, social media platforms. You know, you got you have LinkedIn, you have Snapchat, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, like there's going to be a lot of them. and And I like that just like there's many video games out there, there's not the video game, there's video games. Yeah. If you were to look forward, you know, three, four years, you're going to see that the metaverses create a niche. So somebody who wants to experience Disneyland will go to the Disneyland metaverse. Um, I think there's going to be metaverses that are going to be workplace specific. So if you work in a sensitive area, maybe like a power plant, where there's interaction among several people and there's, you know, severe consequences if people aren't trained properly, what if you could create a replica of that and everybody could train under different scenarios together regardless of where you are without actually having to take the risks in the workforce. Let's think about higher education. Imagine you could get the best medical professors in the world to start doing and showing doing virtual surgeries and lectures online where the students don't have to be sitting in a classroom, they can be anywhere in the world to take those learnings to where they live and learn and practice, and then they can perform virtual surgeries. So the possibilities here are big. and I can go on and on and on with the various possibilities and uses. Um, think about you know Amazon. Amazon hasn't really announced what they're doing, but they're thinking about it. What if you could go to an Amazon store and rather than just getting a bunch of two dimensional pictures, you put in running shoes and all of a sudden, the in transforms into like a running shoe store where you have the various brands. You can look at them three dimensionally. You can buy the NFT. You can buy the physical product. You can ask questions to a virtual salesperson. Think about the possibilities of that of just creating a more immersive shopping experience. So, really, there's going to be tons of metaverses, and the way we use them is going to vary. Just like at the early days of the internet, I didn't know I'd be booking you know appointments, travel, having my food delivered. Who knew what was going to come out of the internet? You're going to see something similar in the metaverse, and as you said, there'll be some failures for sure. Luckily for us, we're not trying to create a company; we're trying to evaluate the people that are out there, buy those assets, make money from them, and and give a pass through to our investors who want to get that exposure. Right on. Okay. Now the again the parallel
0: my mind kept on drawing as you were speaking because I imagine pushback from skeptics would be well if If Facebook and Amazon and you know anybody can create their metaverse, then what's the scarcity? But you know, it's it's like saying that you know I I would go to Hong Kong for one reason and go to Mexico City for a different reason. You know, and depending on what the utility or the application of the metaverse might be, there will be some that are focused on high entertainment, right? Maybe fashion shows, concerts, dance music festivals, and maybe others. When I was first exposed to virtual reality. I remember the the first compelling business model I saw was it was training for surgery and you popped on the gear and all of a sudden I was in, I was in the surgeon's room and I'm, cu- I'm cutting open somebody's arm and I can see tendons and bone and muscles. And I thought, right. what a great training tool, right? You know, having to use a cadaver, this is infinitely scalable, right? And right. you train students that way. So where, when is Johns Hopkins putting out their metaverse and what are you do in there, right? It's different utilities, education focused, some will be networking focused, Interesting. Very, very interesting. Okay. Now, so what's your plan then? As you see more, I mean, I guess you're not not pigeonholing yourself in decentraland. You're looking at where's the foot traffic going to go? Like, where do we expect
1: volume? Yeah, the virtual. we're, We're looking for the virtual foot traffic. We're also looking for the the business opportunities. Right. We're not sitting here collecting metaverse real estate for fun. We're trying to find ways to monetize it and generate profits from this. So, you know, we've been talking to, we have a strategic relationship with SuperWorld and SuperWorld's really cool. SuperWorld is like virtual tourism. So you can go check out the Taj Mahal or Mount Rushmore, you know, from the comfort of your computer in a 3D environment that you can walk around and look at it and look at, you know, what the size of this is relative to a human. For a lot of people, your family is like, I'm not taking my family to, you know, Mount Rushmore, but one afternoon, we, you know, me and my kids might think it's a fun thing to go check it out or other places in the world. So this virtual tourism is certainly, I think, um an interesting area as well. I think for classrooms and virtual learning is another area. But you know, our, our take on this is that as these new areas develop, we want to be at the forefront. We're doing a ton of due diligence. We're talking to, you know, the main players involved and, and make sure we're we're investing in the right places.
0: So talk to me about what's next, then, Andrew, if you know, I'm I'm because I'm of that mind. Like the reason I wanted to talk to you is because like I said, I've made a lot of money investing in the proxies when I'm curious and excited, but don't have the time or just haven't had the time yet to really be dangerous. You know what I mean? Right. And therefore be aggressively speculative, which I like to be, but I'm not there yet here. Right. So what can we expect from you next? You've, you've made some land acquisitions. Like, is there some news flow that we could look forward to? Talk to the investor in me now and say, here's what we're doing.
1: So I think what we're going to see is that- you know, on the staking side, we're going to see our macro bets with the growth of DeFi and NFTs is going to continue to grow. I think that's an important part of our business. With the metaverse, you're going to see us continue to buy more land. We'll diversify into other metaverses and continue to develop real estate products for people. So I sort of talked about before, there's the digital advertising, there's virtual storefronts, There's also design and architecture services. Maybe there's brokerage services. And so as we look at this, we're going to aim to become a one-stop shop for brands that come and can give us a list of what they would like to get out of the metaverse that we can provide for them, not just in Decentraland, but in Sandbox, Somnium Space, Superworld, and the other metaverses that we're involved with. How would you
0: differentiate Superworld versus the Decentraland or a Sandbox? Is there enough going on yet to
1: speak how they might differ culturally? Not that I can speak to, but I I think it's just going to attract a different type of person. Like I said, I I view the different metaverses like various video games, right? Superworld is more virtual tourism. Um, There is no Mount Rushmore or, or Taj Mahal in Decentraland. I mean, maybe there is if someone built it, but that's not the purpose. I think Decentraland is very focused on events. I think like this fashion show, other things that are happening there. You know, Sandbox is very similar, a little bit behind in terms of developing the ability to hold these events. But, you know, Adidas has invested there as a Snoop Dogg. So that's a very cool one. Somnium Space is like the higher end one that's integrating in with like the Oculus and, and virtual reality gear. So the graphics on something like that would be superior, but again, a nearer access of people because not everybody has those headsets. Mm. And then something like SuperWorld which is virtual tourism. So you can go there and look up various places in the world and, and go check them out with your avatar. So all slightly different, but all good. And I and I think for the people that I know that use metaverses, they're generally part of more than one. Just like social media, you know, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, I'm on LinkedIn. Other people like my daughter, she loves TikTok. Some people like Snapchat. My mom likes Facebook, but she doesn't understand the other stuff. So they'll end up appealing to various people based on what it is you're looking for and and what utility you want out of it.
0: If you were to speculate or like visualize for me, you know, what what does day-to-day metaverse interaction look like five, 10 years down
1: the road, right? What are some things that come to mind? I think people will stop using the term metaverse. It's just going to be part of this thing. So it's going to be like, oh, I have an office meeting. You'll log in, you'll go to a a place and you'll have a a form for you to do an office meeting that is far more immersive or maybe with your headsets where the avatars look more like you and you can talk, you can use hand movements and do various things. You'll do, it's not going to be like, hey, I'm going to go to the metaverse. You're going to be like, oh, I need to go do some grocery shopping. You'll go to the special site and using your hands or whatever, you'll be able to grab. The things you want, it'll go into a box and then get delivered to your house. Um, I think it'll be, you know, school as you said. Oh, I need to get to class. You'll log on, you'll be in your classroom, and you'll be able to explore in three dimensions as there's an operation or something going on. So that's where I see things heading. Like nobody says it anymore. I'm going to go onto the internet to book a flight. Yeah. Okay. People just say, you know, I go to my wife and say, I, I got to go do some banking stuff. I come to my computer and do it. I don't say I'm going to go onto the internet to log on to the bank website. That's what's going to happen. This is just going to be something that subtly invades the way we we act and the way we do things that improves the way we're doing things. I don't think it's going to increase our screen time. I think it's going to replace the screen time we're doing watching TV, social media platforms and gaming, and it's going to transform those into an area that makes them easier to use.
0: That's such an important uh, point to make that you don't think this is going to increase our screen time, just replace our existing screen time. Because I think a lot of people, myself included, with three little boys. One of my one of my fears is like I don't want my kids absorbed 100 percent right in some digital universe. And what you're seeing is like, well, right. the internet didn't do that, maybe more than historic, sure. But like, you know, we still live in the in the the, the meat suit world at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. Look, there's, I have young kids and I see their friends, some of their ki- some of the kids spend a lot of time on the screen, whether it's, you know, watching movies or playing games or whatever it is. Other kids prefer to go outside and, and play with a ball. I think it's going to vary from person to person, but the utility of using the metaverse for things like learning, education, safety, shopping is going to evolve. I think the whole video game community is going to move into various metaverses. So think about, you know, I was thinking about this, you know, people play like the soccer or the football games. You could go in and create it so you're your own GM and you can trade players for money. You can make money off this, how good you're playing or with your team. So I just think it's it's going to evolve the screen time that we're using now from social media, television, into the metaverse and replace the things that we're already doing now. But it'll vary from person to person. Yeah, I love that. Okay.
0: Look, Andrew, okay, last question for you for somebody who wants to educate himself a little bit better on, you know, what this world is and how it's developing. At the front end of the conversation, you're like if you're still a denier, you need to educate yourself. Yes. Where would you where would you point them? What kind
1: of resources to somebody who just heard this conversation now that now they're curious? You can go to tokens.com. We have a a whole education tab at the top and we've made some videos and I've done a whole bunch of interviews. I think Listening to this podcast is a good way to educate yourself as well. And Google, there's no book. There's no textbook or authority on this stuff. It's really being developed as we speak. We're making history every day in terms of what this looks like and how it's used. But the information is there on the internet. Start off by going to our website and, and continue Googling. There's a few reports. JP Morgan just put out a very large report on the metaverse. Credit Suisse first Boston put out, I think, a 250-page report on it every major you know research house investment banks are starting to educate people on this so the information is out there if you look for it
0: okay I appreciate
1: that uh, yeah tokens.com it just popped up on your site right now actually
0: and had a look at the education page and there's tons here to dive into look Andrew I appreciate your time and allowing me to hit you up with probably from your perspective, or some pretty juvenile questions, but you know things that I'm trying to understand. No, about.
1: you know what? I, I spend a lot of my day doing this. I, I love these questions. I'm obviously passionate about it. And I'm, I'm really excited to be involved in this space.
0: I love that. And if you want to take a look at tokens, you trade on the NEO under the ticker COIN, C-O-I-N, uh, and on the OTC under the ticker SMURF, S-M-U-R-F. All right, look, thanks again, Andrew. It's great chatting with you. No problem. Thank you, Jay.